So today is the 19th of January 2021, it's a Tuesday. And uh, so this practice of training our minds that we are engaging in uh, now uh, through sitting in meditation, it's the firm establishment of the mind through bringing it to a single meditation object. So we have um, this foundation of recollection for our mindfulness, uh, what we call the four satipatthanas, these um, foundations of recollection, there are four of them. So just like how we establish our mindfulness on the breath as it comes in and leaves. And this is recollecting the body, because the breath is a part of the body. So as the breath comes in, then we know that. If when it leaves, then we know that. And so we have our attention placed here um, on one of these objects of recollection. Uh, Because during the day, uh, we receive many sense impressions. There are many things that we experience, and the mind can become quite scattered, quite chaotic uh, through experiencing all of that. And all just wants to think, proliferate about many different stories, different issues. And this creates a lack of peace, an unsettled inner state. And the mind then runs out of all its energy. So this training of the mind that we're doing, um, the Buddha taught us to have mindfulness on a single object. So just like this breath coming and going. And perhaps when we breathe in, we can recite Buddha. When we breathe out, do. And when we do this, then the mind can reach a state of peace. And once it's gotten to one level of calm, then the breath will just disappear from our consciousness um, without our intending for it to be so. And because the mind is gathered together, it's um, still, it has this inner quietude. And so... When we sit uh, like this, then it's possible for our hands to feel like they've disappeared, for our feet to disappear, and the body becomes very light, very calm, and at ease. It may feel like it doesn't have any weight to it at all. And as the mind carries on getting calmer and calmer, then the body may just disappear entirely and become empty. And so it's empty, or our minds are empty from all of the proliferation that they've had before. The mind becomes very buoyant. So we see within the space of one day that we experience so many sensations. And um, this creates difficulty um, because the mind gets deluded by them and takes all of it in terms of self. And it gets even worse if we're not restrained, if we don't have composure over our actions of body and speech. The the self becomes a very very heavy self. Um, A self of a putujana, one who is thick with attachment, heavy with defilements. So these defilements, um, avijja, ignorance and craving and clinging, they just control the mind, 
cover over the mind and weigh it down. And if we don't have virtue, then the heart becomes even more heavy. So one important, very important quality at the beginning of the practice is that of forbearance. We have to try to abandon the selfishness that we have. So those engaging in this Buddhist path have an interest in sacrifice and generosity and developing merit. If there's work to do, then we help out with that. And we uh, train ourselves, practice in this way, so that samadhi can be born in our hearts. And even though that samadhi may just be a small amount, we shouldn't think that it doesn't have much value, that even a small amount of samadhi has great value. Because we are those who wish for peace. So we should train ourselves to gain this peace, having mindfulness, whether we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, constantly try to keep our presence of mind here. And when the sati becomes continuous, uh, then it's possible for the dhamma, the quality of samadhi to arise. So we have this sila dhamma initially, and we train ourselves in that, and then we have the dhamma of the devas, tafiri and otapa, this uh, wholesome fear and uh, shame of wrongdoing. We also have the qualities of generosity, of virtue. And so it's possible to develop that even during these days, uh, during this time of COVID and lockdown. People see that the monks aren't able to go on arms round like they once were. So many lay people have this great faith of heart and they've made offerings of food dry food to the monastery, or offered funds uh, for the kitchen to buy food and then cook up later for the monks. And many, many people have um, made these offerings, have helped out, and it shows that they have these hearts which are ready to sacrifice in this way, which are gracious, virtuous in this way. So these are the virtues of the Buddhists, people who have very high minds, the minds of devas. And those with intelligence um, can make merit even during hard times like this. Uh, They can develop goodness even in this current state of the world. But we also have higher aims than just this as well. Um, We train our minds And for those who are training their minds, should they also develop generosity? Or for those people who are training themselves, then they'll see the danger in selfishness. And they'll have faith. And their faith will compel them to be generous continuously. They have contemplated into the nature of the world and seen that the money, the wealth that we have now, We're only able to use it for this present lifetime. Um, But when we use that wealth uh, to be generous, to make donations, um, then that becomes an internal wealth, something that can fill up our hearts. 
But really the main purpose of this generosity is for us to abandon selfishness, to abandon the sense of self. And in the end, this becomes the cause and condition for samadhi to arise. And when samadhi is well established, when it turns into a beautiful inner state, then the mind will be equanimous as well. It won't be given into liking or disliking. And this happens through this collected nature of the heart. So this cultivation of upeka, this quality of upeka, um, it's within one of the it's it's within the four Brahmaviharas, and it's a state of samadhi that the mind isn't off into one extreme of liking or the other extreme of disliking. And this is a state of samadhi that's um, in the jhanas, one of the absorptions. So the way that we can develop this um, is through reciting to ourselves uh, that beings are the owners of their karma, born uh, from their karma. And we can uh, recite this over and over. If we do this, then when we meet with separation from the things that we like and love, then we won't experience sorrow or grief due to that. And if people who we dislike receive harm or suffering, then we won't uh, aggravate that, we won't increase the suffering. Because the heart also has kindness and compassion to it. It's well established in these four divine abidings. And these four divine abidings are um, the dhammas, the qualities which care and protect the heart. And they also nurture and protect samadhi as well, so that it doesn't degenerate. So practitioners need to have these four divine abidings within their hearts. And even though it may not be to the level of first jhana, or second, third, or fourth jhana, it may just be kanaka samadhi, this uh, small or temporary samadhi, Perhaps it's upajara samadhi, um, the level of samadhi which is close to reaching a one-pointed state. But if we really practice, um, then these brahma-viharas, um, they can turn into uh, jhanas, into this first level of jhana. So when we develop this way of meditation, we try to keep our mind with, with one object. We pick up one of these meditation objects and use that. So whether it's the breath, whether it's metta, um, these will help our minds to reach a state of peace, to reach a state of inner equipoise and equanimity. And then when the mind receives a sense impression, when it uh, becomes aware of one, it won't go off into attraction or aversion. There'll be internal peace. So initially we use this quality of samadhi to suppress the defilements. And when it does that, then the heart becomes very buoyant. Both the body and mind are light. And we'll gain an understanding into the Dhamma. Initially there may be a lot of doubts, a lot of uncertainty, and the mind is stirred up because of these. 
it doesn't have any foundation um, in this way of practice. And so there are questions about this way of practice, um, wanting to reach the end of suffering. But when there aren't any doubts present, um, then there'll be a certainty in this. And we'll see that it's these doubts, um, wanting to get things quick, wanting to gain good results, uh, that stir the mind up, that make it all frantic. So if there's a lot of craving in our practice, then this will stir up many doubts, and the mind will become very chaotic and confused. But sometimes when we listen to the Dhamma, um, then peace can arise. We can gain a level of understanding into what we hear, and the mind can gather together, become very cool through samadhi, and all of the doubts disappear. But then when the peace goes away, um, then we become lost all over again. We start doubting all over again. The mind becomes scattered, very confused, chaotic all over again. And it starts getting involved in liking and disliking. If we receive a sense impression that is conducive to liking, then the mind will be thrown into liking. If you receive a sense impression that's conducive to disliking, then the mind will fall into disliking. And it's constantly covered by these nivaranas, by these hindrances, um, craving for sensuality, uh, drowsiness, uh, restlessness, doubt. Um, these are the things which prevent our mind from reaching peace. But when we train this mind so that peace arises, then our doubts will be relieved. And we'll see that really this practice is something quite easy. So we'll understand that that really we don't need to think too much about it. We don't need to be too intellectual about our practice. If we go on arms round, or when we're receiving food, when we're taking food to eat, when we're walking around, all we do is just recite Buddha, 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 do that a lot. If we're doing the chores, helping out in any way, then we recite Buddha as we're doing that. And by doing this, we're training for the mind to be peaceful. So we do this a lot, we cultivate it a lot, and recite these mantras through or in our hearts a lot. But if this word of Buddha doesn't stay in the mind, if it slips off, then we can increase this to Buddha, Dhammo, Sangha. And if that doesn't stay, then we can pick up a chant and recite that many, many times and very fast. So for monks, for example, if the mind is in quite a frantic state and it's really going off into liking and disliking, then they can pick up the patimokha, um, the recitation of the uh, 227 precepts uh, of the monks, and chant this and really focus their mind on chanting it. And through that, the heart becomes very peaceful at ease. The mind becomes very light. So the chaos that was once in it disappears. So we have to use these methods initially um, to gain these results. If we don't have the wisdom to see clearly, that's because our samadhi isn't firmly established enough. 
So in that case, when we contemplate, we need to use memory. So we may look into this body as being composed of the four elements. And we use um, our memory, we kind of intellectualize this. Um, seeing the body as just being composed of earth that uh, constantly is decaying and degenerating. So we use our thoughts like this first in order to bring about peace. And this is how we contemplate initially. And then when the mind reaches a state of peace, then it becomes at ease. There's joy that fills up the mind. And this happens to one degree. So we carry on doing this, some thinking in these ways until we become skilled at it. And it may take a while for us to develop this skill and for us to be able to reach a state of internal peace and stillness, uh, but we work at it. Perhaps during the day we have a lot of duties, a lot of work that we have to do. Um, so we should try to train ourselves throughout the day. So just like someone who's uh, working at home, a housewife, um, they have to prepare food, they have to clean, but they should be meditating as they do this. And we carry on developing this until it becomes a skill that we have. And then the mind won't think about other things. Uh, we, won't, we won't want for the mind to go off and um, think about things that will make it scattered, that will make it chaotic. We won't want for our mind to be drawn outside because we see that that's what stirs it up, that's what um, makes it devoid of peace. And if we know a lot of things, then the mind becomes even more stirred up. Um, it lacks this inner calm. So when all of these sense impressions um, go into the heart, then it uh, lacks this peace and it becomes more and more stirred up. So we need to train this mind to give rise to internal equanimity so that it doesn't go off into liking or disliking. And then following from that, we can contemplate and uh, this contemplation can bring an even deeper level of peace. You can see, for instance, that this body is composed of the four elements and wisdom can arise from this. And the mind can abandon a sense of self. It'll give up the selfishness that it once had. So initially we do this through the practices of dana and sila, through generosity and virtue. And these are the things which oppose the attachments that we have. Then following on, we train our minds to give rise to internal peace. And when we've done that, then we can contemplate. And uh, the mind becomes empty, empty from selfishness. We see clearly, see all things as being empty. And this shows that we are beginning to understand the truth. And our mind gains great energy, energy that... Uh, we use to put in our efforts into this practice to cultivate mindfulness, to give rise to wisdom. And then through this, our samadhi becomes even more firmly established. We won't have to force ourselves to practice anymore. And that before we may have had to coerce ourselves to put in this effort, uh, to sit in meditation, to walk in meditation, to chant. Uh, but when we reach a certain level, then we won't need to do this, that this effort will arise all by itself. 
because the heart feels very at ease. And when it's the time to do walking meditation, then we walk. And a lot of joy is present in the mind. And it shows there's one level of samadhi present. And we may think before that it's not possible to reach this state, but then we realize that it actually is possible for us to get there. When we sit in meditation, the heart's very at ease. But then when we get up, um, that peace leaves. As we carry on practicing, however, even when we get up to do walking meditation, or whatever we do, that samadhi will be present. It'll be there, uh, firmly established in the heart. We see that this collected state of mind is something that's very amazing. We contemplate into the body and see it as being empty, and see that this too is something amazing. So this is something that can arise, but it depends upon us listening to these teachings, contemplating them, thinking about them. And it also relies upon a peaceful mind. But as we develop this path, then the heart turns from its initial state, which is very heavy, a state that's very uh, filled up uh, with unskillful qualities, and that of a putujana. But it's not the case that we are in the state of Patujana all day. Perhaps uh, when we're able to keep the precepts, then uh, we feel joyful. We're able to smile and be at ease. And also when we're generous as well. And so for those who like listening to the Dhamma, who like being generous, then joy is often in their hearts. And so the heart develops to that of a deva, uh, to this higher level. And then we try to maintain that inequality, try to maintain the heart in the state of a deva. And as we do that, then we'll more easily and more quickly be able to get into states of samadhi. And then the understanding that we gain into the dharma becomes easier. When this happens, then the heart develops further into a, a good being, a beautiful being. And then it changes into a noble being. Um, this state of Arya, of nobility, that which is far away from the enemy, far away from the defilements. So we train ourselves uh, like this. When we develop equanimity or have a state of inner equipoise that needs to come through wisdom, not through delusion. Um, We're not letting go just through selfishness. We're not letting go through laziness. Not because we just don't have any effort, we don't have any forbearance. We're not just running away from our problems. Just like if uh, the roof of our heart breaks and it starts to rain and then we just move somewhere else we don't bother to fix it and that's training ourselves and not being wise and just like animals just like cows and buffaloes so when we train these minds we need to do it well we have this opportunity now a very good opportunity to practice to meditate to chant and we're very lucky to have this this is Something very fortunate. It's a great gain that we have to, to, um, to have this opportunity. And the laity have this as well, this opportunity to listen to the Dhamma, to contemplate and study the Dhamma. 
So I ask for all of you to develop these qualities of mindfulness and wisdom and do it in this life. Really use this life uh, to practice, to develop these qualities with sincerity and try to make the mind peaceful, try to get to that state. So sit in meditation, cultivate the mind, um, chant, and in the end you will see the Dhamma. So may all of you set your hearts on this.